Blog Talk Radio. From the Windy City to your city, courtside, the matchup you've been waiting for. A field of dreams for some and a long ride home for others. Sounding so good through the air, it's like you're right there. Folks, you want to score? People, she's got your game. It's the Maya Kai Show, featuring comedian Nikki Braden. She is pretty funny with your host, Maya Kai. Radio never looks so good.
I am Nikki Braden on Facebook and Twitter, the Nikki Braden on Instagram, and the chat room is wide open on your hump day. All right, so before we get into our Super Tuesday talk, let's stay consistent. We are still celebrating the Pisces. Winding it down, though, because the sign goes down to March 20th. So only a few more shows left where we get to actually talk Pisces horoscope. So what's in store for Pisces today? Okay, try to use a form of communication that is a little bit out of the ordinary today. Telephone calls, letters, even emails are just old school. You'll get your message across, whatever it is, a more likely effect if you use some creativity, especially if you're trying to get your feelings across to a new potential sweetie. Use beautiful words in a poetic sense to let them know your heart. Whether you literally write a poem or not is up to you. Just make sure they know how you feel. All right, get creative, Pisces. That's our signature quality. You can do it. Get creative in your messaging today. <laughs> Woo them over. Don't get don't don't get too creative. Don't do like a Melissa Harris Perry because you know how that can go. So be careful when you get creative with your no with your kind words. Also, today, if you were born today, you share a, a birthday with Flavor Flav, Erica Strada, <laughs> Jerry Lee Lewis. Victor Garber, and actually, um, my buddy Curtis Granderson's birthday is today. So, happy birthday, everybody. The best on that list, Curtis Granderson. Love Curtis Granderson. You know, obviously, was with yeah, the Yeah, I do, too. He's a sweetie. Baseball. If you don't know who he is, Chicago, shame on you. He played at UIC as <laughs> a baseball player. One of the very few African-American baseball players there are in regard to African diaspora. But with that right. said, he's a local kid, went to UIC. I'm sorry, he's a grown man. He's a very grown man. He went to UIC. Yes, he is. Um, played a number of years with the Detroit Tigers um, with a, a great player and then laddered over to the Yankees about, I want to say, this will be the second or third season he's been there. So, um, but here's right. the thing. He's still really active in Chicago. Here. Foundation he does. So he, has yeah. this, um, he has a benefit um, every year, and he brings it back here to Chicago every year. Even though he's in New York, he comes, like, back here, like, every year. And I mean, have you – you've got to go. I mean, everybody is there. Like, it was – Carrie Wood walking around, and it was Bears, and like so, everybody comes out and support him. Fellow uh, baseball players, Cubs, Sox, Blues. You want to see everybody that you can't see um, in real life. You want to see him from the court. Come out, support his um, event, and then you get to see some local celebrities as well. It's really nice. All right, yeah. So yeah, Kirk Ferguson, definitely uh, somebody worth always keeping your eye on. A uh, good local guy doing big stuff, not just in this profession, mm-hmm. but the city of Chicago. We can never have enough of that. All right, so. Right. Horoscope for our Pisces. Take heed. Be mindful on this hump day, especially as we are right on the heels of St. Patrick's Day. So obviously we're not on tomorrow. So I want to say in advance, everybody, be careful, be smart, <laughs> yes. enjoy the holiday, yes. but don't do anything you might regret because you still technically have to go to work on Friday and tune into us. Yeah. So raise your glass. Top of the morning to everybody. Come tomorrow, but. Please be safe. I'm going to tell you what. I've noticed police are out and about, especially oh, yeah. around holidays. It seems like they've kicked it up a notch lately. I've noticed. So, um, they, yeah, they have days. to. And even this weekend, a lot of people were celebrating, and it was, I mean, I was like, you you would think it was St. Patty's Day pe- this past weekend. There were people, like, passed out in the street. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what yeah. is happening? So people got a little wild yeah. this past weekend, so be careful. Yeah, there was a lot of rap sheets after, because last, last weekend in Chicago, which has a very large Irish population, but, you know, we died in Chicago River Green. Right. Parades happen on right. the weekend because it's the weekend before since of the where St. Patrick's Day fall. And some of the rap right. sheets, some, some of the calls that came in were crazy. Um, intoxication is just a bit um, over the top, but I'm just saying police are already starting to stop people. So just be mindful 
that, hey, if you decide you want to go out and raise your glass, the beautiful thing about Uber is that you don't have to drive. It goes everywhere. You don't have to. It goes everywhere. So if you taxi it, Uber it, just don't, you know, just be smart about it. Play it safe. You can't go wrong. Because now there's really no excuse to get behind the wheel if you don't have to. Seriously. Right. There's no reason to. So, all right. As I said, we're going to kick off. This first segment, What's Trending, where we talk about those hot topics that may have local, national, international focus. And today we're going to touch on local as well as national in the in segment. And to help us kind of break down Super Tuesday, um, because it was big in Chicago, along with the fact the presidential side, um, five states, gosh, let's see if I can get my politics together. Because you know, I kind of ignore politics. I really do. I have too, kind of feel, since it's circus. I, I, just, I just feel like it's a circus. And I, I don't have a whole lot of faith in it when it's all said and done. But I do both because I realize being part of the process is important. If you're going to criticize it, you better do your part when you have something to say about it. So I want to say in this particular Super Tuesday, states involved, Illinois, Michigan, Ohio, Florida, who am I missing in the fifth state? For some reason, I'm drawing a blank. Um, on states wait, wait, wait. Did you say Illinois? Uh, Michigan, Illinois, Ohio, Michigan. Florida. Florida. And there was one other state. There was five states I want to say that went North to Carolina. Who, North was it Carolina. North Carolina? North Carolina, yeah. Yeah, North Carolina. Of who they would, you know, yeah. send, what candidate they want to send, you know, to put their bid into the White House. So Super mm-hmm. Tuesday is simply that because the votes are on Tuesday, and it's always a pact of states that come out that are clumped together that vote. So we'll get to that. But before we do, we're going to start local because in Chicago, there were definitely some key races on the table that upsets probably going to happen. So we'll start locally first, and then we'll roll into the national side. If you want to weigh in on the conversation, you always can. 310-807-5211. The chat room is open, and you know where to find us on social media. With that being said, because I am not the expert on politics because it makes me break out in hives, I went to the guy (laughs) who I know who can really break down Chicago politics. It's our guy, our friend of the show, Jason Coyden Palmer, freelance writer for the Chicago Crusader. How you doing this morning, Jason? Welcome to the show. I'm doing great, and it also gives me highs as well. <laughs> Man, anybody who lives by politics, I don't know how they all don't have ulcers. Because just from anything politically speaking, to me it's just a lot of just hot air, and it's frustrating. But I have to say, this has been very entertaining from a local perspective as well as from a national perspective, because mudslinging to me is part of what happens in campaigning, but the level of mudslinging and backdrop stories, especially in Chicago, it got it got big. So let's start out with, no, let me not pick. Where do you want to start out in talking about what happened in Chicago on Super Tuesday? Well, I think uh, this the good definitely one. the year of the angry voter, and no other race <laughs> um Symbolize that better than the race for Cook County State's Attorney with Anita Alvarez and Kim Fox. So yes. we've discussed mm-hmm. this situation before on the show after the Laquan McDonald shooting, after the botched prosecution of Detective Dante Servin, Rakia Boyd case. And one of the things you had said, Maya, was that you know Alvarez was the least of your worries in these police debacles because she was up for reelection, and it was pretty clear she wasn't going to win. Um, months of protesting against her, people telling her to resign. She refused to get out of the race. So then she stays in the race, and she gets absolutely blown away harder than the wind is blowing in Chicago yes. today um, <laughs> yes. by a relatively yes. unknown Kim Fox. Um, 
who doubled the amount of votes Alvarez had. Um, Fox had over a half a million, I think almost yeah. 600,000 votes, and Alvarez had um, about 300,000. Um, this was a very interesting race in that you had an incumbent who lost many of the endorsements of the powerful Democratic Party here in the Illinois, and they all moved over to Fox, who worked for the uh, current Cook County Board President, Tony Preckwinkle, and had her blessings. Kim Fox's story is very unique. She grew up in public housing. She's a survivor of um, of uh, sexual violence that was against her as a child. Um, she really came out strong um, on an issue that hits home with many people throughout the Chicago area, and that's police misconduct. And what I thought was very unique about this was Fox did not only dominate in majority African-American communities. I mean, she took Alvarez's vote from the suburban counties as well, um, Mm -hmm. places which were supposed to be her stronghold. Kim Fox went in there and just dismantled this woman, um, also with the other opponent who was Donna Moore. Um, I think people saw through a lot of Alvarez, and the fact of the matter is people just don't trust that woman anymore. Um, After all the stuff that's gone on with the police shootings and her office not being able to get any type of convictions, it seems, um, people just had had enough with her, her commercials during her campaign of her jogging through the inner city, uh, even though everybody knows she lives in the suburbs. <laughs> I mean, that type that was, of that stuff. Was funny. That so, was really so, funny. Some of the politics, some of the stuff they do, she just wants to jog through the hood. And I'm like, she has to go jogging through the hood. Let me, let, and you know, Jason, here's, and here's what I think is interesting. And, of course, we have on Jason Coyne and Palmer, the freelance writer for the Chicago Crusader. To tell you how big this win was for Kim Fox, she got 58% of the vote. Alvarez only had 29%, and Donna Moore got 13 So not bad, but here's what's key. Out of the 300 and 668 precincts that are throughout Cook County for voting, at 3,633 people showed up to vote. So 99% of the precincts had people show out, show up to vote for this, and I guess show out too. But what's interesting is when you were on, I want to say, a week or two ago, in the polls, it was looking like Alvarez was leading. But what I said was this, data can be misleading because Kim Fox, for what it is to be a relatively not really known person outside of Chicago, she had a good percentage, like 38%. And I said, do you realize that speaks volume? I said, because people don't know who she is. But I was like, so don't fret because Alvarez right now is probably sweating. Like, how does this woman who nobody knows, she's creeping up on me, and the margin was really small. So what I'm well, when you said is that voters showed up. Well, when you said that, when that came up, Maya, we were, I was like, but it depends on who you asked, because they didn't ask me. And I'm like, there are right. a lot of people that live in suburban Cook County who, I was like, I'm voting for Kim Fox, but nobody asked me. So I don't know what that Alvarez, and that was the thing about the polls and the um, data that was coming out. I was like, that could be very misleading, because they didn't poll everybody in Cook County. It was probably just a small percentage in Chicago. So if yeah. Alvarez was Jason- betting on that... She was very, very upset yesterday because well, Kim Fox wasn't even close. Sure, and I, and I can speak to that, Maya and, and, and Nikki. And here's the thing about the polling process, and here's why it is, I'm going to take the step and say it's outdated in 2016 
for mm-hmm. a couple of reasons. One, Hillary Clinton was allegedly leading Bernie Sanders by 40 points like two weeks ago. And we see she barely eked out this victory in Illinois. Um, mm-hmm. you, you mentioned about Alvarez. The problem with the polling process is that they call landline home telephone numbers to do the polling. Well, we okay. know in 2016, most people have gotten rid of their landline telephone, especially younger generation. They, they don't even know what a landline telephone is in a house. So Correct. You're not calling people's cell phones, and people probably wouldn't want you to anyway. You're not emailing people and getting polls. This is the way people communicate in 2016, social media, email, cell phone. Yes. So if you're yeah, just yeah. calling people on their home phone, your numbers are going to be so far off, it's not even funny. And that's what we're seeing now across the board, regardless of the race, because mm. the polling has not kept up with the changes in technology and how people communicate. Uh, so people let me, let me, should pretty much ignore the polls in a lot of ways. And I'm actually oh, surprised that the politicians haven't looked into it because oh, they, they depend on the poll numbers a lot to base their strategy. I think they probably have a little bit of an idea that it's not exactly accurate, but if you can use those numbers to work to your advantage, you're going to. But let me ask you this, Jason. Mm-hmm. In my mind, when I think of Anita Alvarez, to me, what really was her undoing, because most people probably really weren't checking for her until the Laquan McDonald case, even though the Boyd case was big, for some reason, people, it didn't have the same sting. It didn't have the same bite as Laquan McDonald did. And I'm going to say this. Because there was no video. Any, exactly. But if anything is your undoing, it's to have a case like that on your desk and to not immediately take action, I think it created this amount of distrust among many people, even people who might have said that Laquan McDonald was being deviant, he wasn't complying with law enforcement. Everybody will say, but you don't shoot somebody 16 times, regardless of how they feel about his behavior. And the fact that she failed to act on this, do you really believe that was the straw that broke the camel's back for her? It definitely was because it was a national story. Um, the Laquan McDonald case was broadcast all over CNN. Uh, CNN legal analysis, Sonny Holston, actually said on live TV the night the verdict was announced when Alvarez came out with her excuse on why she waited for 14 months. She actually said, all respect to Anita Alvarez, but that's BS. You had the information you needed within a couple of days. It, it made no sense for her to take 14 months to make the charges. It was... Alvarez had a layup. She had a layup, nobody around her, breakaway layup, and she choked. And, you know, people (laughs) believe she choked on purpose, and and that is definitely what her undoing was. Um, And I think, you Mm -hmm. know, also her own arrogance. Even last night I covered that race and I covered her her speech afterwards. You know, she said she's a great prosecutor but a bad politician. Well, nobody wants to hear that. You're not wow. a good prosecutor. You could wow. not wow. get you couldn't get a conviction in the Rakia Boyd case. You couldn't get the conviction because the judge said from the stand you charged Dante Servin with the wrong crime. The judge said right. that to, to to her. There you said you charged him with second-degree murder when he should have been charged with first-degree murder, and because of the double jeopardy law, he can't be charged again, so he has to walk free. That is prosecutorial incompetence. That's not Mm. you not being a good 
politician. All right. So, you know, when you, that, means, that type of that, arrogance is a problem. Yeah. That's key. So note to Kim Fox, be on your game because though you may have pulled this off, if you really pull it off, understand that people will be checking for you to do better. That's oh, they're really checking for her. Oh, now yeah. you have to do better. And I have faith she would. Now let's shift gears and talk about what is another another upset. So Democratic Illinois State Rep Ken Duncan, who was Uh-oh. a contender to get reelected for his seat, gets pretty much ousted by Juliana Stratton, who President Obama openly endorsed and slammed yeah. Duncan for voting against pro-labor legislation, um, siding with Governor Rauner, um, made restricting of powers of union, all kinds of things. How much of an upset is this really? And what do we know about Juliana Stratton that we really should feel confident about this? Okay, we knew that so she didn't get in bed with really? Rauner, and I think that's all that people needed to know. We just knew that. <laughs> <laughs> that's all we needed okay, to know. So, that is start, yeah. This is actually the easiest one to break down on why Ken Duncan lost. Ken Duncan lost because of Ken Duncan. It's pretty mm-hmm. much that simple. The, the two political poisons right now in Illinois, especially in the African-American community, are Mayor Rahm Emanuel, who, yes. if you notice, was quiet as a church mouse throughout this entire yes. election cycle, didn't endorse anybody, nobody wanted to talk to him, and Bruce Rauner. Those are two people yes. you don't want to be connected to. And Ken Duncan Correct. just intentionally latched himself on to Bruce Rauner. He he went against his own party and the very powerful Michael Madigan. Um, he used Barack Obama's speech that he did in Springfield last month in his own commercial, making it seem as if Obama was endorsing him when he wasn't. So that is why the President of the United States ah, came out okay. and publicly endorsed Juliana Stratton. So that's just politically stupid for him to do that. Yeah. Um, you would yeah. think he would have gotten the president's okay before he did that. He didn't. Yeah. It turned yeah. around, blew up in his face. Um, that plus, he went uh-huh. against Michael Madigan, and here's where we need to talk about Juliana Stratton. Because everybody okay. knows Michael Madigan hasn't actually been a friend to our community as well. And the fact of the matter yeah. is, Michael Madigan pretty much controls all of the black state politicians. While they'll never publicly come out and admit it, he's the one that controls a lot of their campaign funding. Um, if you mm. notice, most of the time, whatever he decides to vote on, they, they back it wholeheartedly. So it's a problem. So while Ken Duncan may have been viewed as a problem in the community, you need to take a real hard look at Juliana Stratton because you have to see who she owes. Politics is all about who gives who you particular politician money, who yeah. backs them up. And if yeah. Madigan is backing up Stratton, what does that say for the community? Well, you know what it sounds like, Jason? It's the lesser of two evils. Two not evils, it's time, yes. It's, it's time for people to do their homework. Scott Dawson at 310-807-5211. You can weigh in. Of course, the chat room's open, and you know how to get social with the show. All right. Speaking of picking the lesser of two evils, let's switch gears and talk about Super Tuesday in regards to the presidential side of Well, you know, mm-hmm. on both sides, obviously, you got Trump, got and Hillary, and you got Bernie. And interesting enough, for what it's worth, let's start with the easy part, the Democrats. Let's just start with this. Now, what I've seen from the results from this, actually, it was a very narrow win for Hillary. She walked away in Illinois with, um, I want to say, 15.5% of the boys, so, and yes. Bernie Sanders had 48.7. 
So very yes. close margin. But either way, she wins the state. But here's what people have to understand. She swept. She took all five of the states. So even though Bernie Sanders is right behind her, what can he possibly do that can topple her getting the nomination? Well, I think Bernie Sanders has built a lot of momentum in the last few weeks. Unfortunately, if we use look at this as a basketball analogy, he didn't come out to play the first half. You know, mm-hmm. he's down 25 going into the locker mm-hmm. room. And so now, you know, he's got a great locker room speech at halftime. He's coming out, he's hitting threes, he's dunking the ball, he's playing defense. But, you know, you only have so much time. There are only so many states out there. Um, of course, he still has some big ones out there in California in terms of uh, delegates in mm-hmm. New York City and New Jersey and some of the other ones. But, you know, Illinois was a key state for, for Sanders. He, he really needed to, to pull this one out. Um, I thought he made a Herculean effort. I think he definitely scared the Clinton campaign. I mean, Bill Clinton was here three times in the past week himself um, campaigning on behalf of his wife. I think, you know, Bernie's momentum came too late. He he would have to pull off a miracle at this point um, in order to get the nomination. But I think Mm -hmm. he's waited too long to get his message out, which has actually resonated with a lot of people, especially a lot of young people, a lot of first-time voters. A lot of young people, yes, Um, yes. But, you know, he may have been just in too big of a hole right now to climb himself out. But I would not, under any circumstances, not think that there could be a possible Clinton-Sanders ticket to take on whoever gets the Republican nomination. Not a bad deal, even though I have a little reservation I always keep to myself because I'm trying to work on it. But not a bad not a bad idea with that. Now let's switch to what is the, the circus because a clown car rolled into Chicago and they all fell out. <laughs> and with that being said, when everybody saw it out, um, the last one coming out with the biggest red nose of everybody um, was Donald Trump. Pulls off Illinois, which is a Republican state. He gets 38.8 of the votes. Ted Cruz, who was just as nutty as he was right behind him, gets 30.3. Kasich gets 19.7. And Rubio did so awful, he finally decided to defer and pull out the Quit, yes. all together. He got 8.7. <laughs> he goes, okay, obviously he's like, my clown skills are not strong enough, so I must go back to clown school. So he's out. So, okay, Donald Trump, after everything that happens in Illinois, pulled this off. At this point, Jason, don't you think people have accepted that there's a very strong probability that Trump is going to walk away with a GOP nomination? He is. <laughs> it's just, just let's throw. <laughs> let's just say it. He is. I mean, he just I mean, is. We've been fighting it, but we just got to face facts now. He is just going to run for president for the GOP. That's just what's going to happen. I'm tired of well, fighting here's it. Let's thing. just face it. Here's the thing. I don't think that's necessarily set in stone yet, Nikki. Um, and what they're talking about is having a something I've never seen before in my lifetime, but there could actually be a split convention by the time they get to Cleveland. I am um, hearing that, yes. The, um, and it's basically because Kasich was able to pull out Ohio. Um, yes. Also, so with Rubio dropping right? out now finally, um, it's going to give more votes possibly to Kasich or Cruz so that they can challenge Trump more. I actually think had Cruz and Rubio both dropped out, more people would have even resonated to Casey just because he wasn't Trump. Um, Okay. I think Trump has benefited from a very large field. Let's let's put this in perspective in regards to numbers. They always say numbers don't lie. All right, so pretty much 
Trump pulled off every state in Super Tuesday except for Ohio. Remember, Ohio is, I remember correctly, is Kate's, that's his home state. I hope you can get at home. Yeah. If you can't get at home, it's bad. So I don't think that's a good barometer to judge on it. But look at how Trump won, and Cruz was technically the closest to him in numbers. So in Florida, which is a state that we know they're confused, um, they get yeah. more vitamin D than everybody else, but yet it's a huge influence because they have 99 delegates. So it's scary they've got that many delegates and they're not, not all that together. I'm sorry, my, my Florida folks. I'm sure if you're listening <laughs> to my show, you're all good and you're on top of it. It's the people next door to you that I'm concerned about. So Trump, 46% to Cruz is 17, okay? Then in Illinois, Trump gets 39 to Cruz is 30. Now, interesting enough, um, oh, it was Missouri. Missouri, not Michigan, was the other state. Um, 41 yeah. to 41. So that was a tie. And then North Carolina, Trump walked away with 42, Cruz is 37. And then even in Ohio, Trump pulled away 30, 36% to cases is 47. So when you look at these numbers, even if Cruz and Rubio were decided to defer, it would have helped, but Donald still would have been quite in the mix. I mean, it's really split convention, yes, um, but does that, does that solve the problem? I don't know. Well, I think, you know, it's going to make it harder for Trump. Um, and once again, we're hearing this possible split convention. Um, I also think the Republican Party has another trick up their sleeve that they're just not telling everybody. I really do think they're going to come out with an independent candidate um, at some point here. It was rumored that it was going to be Michael Bloomberg. Um, he shot that down and said, no, it won't be him. But don't be surprised if they pull a Rudy Giuliani. Um, no, that's somebody who got oh, some, don't, I mean, don't be surprised <laughs> if they bring out some – somebody who's got some national name for themselves who they can put out there. Because they, they okay. do not – the established GOP does not want Donald Trump as the nominee. That, that is let quite just, clear. Let me just say this, though. This is not the time to start working in magic. To add more this clowns the, to the circus. This is not the time. No, <laughs> now they're trying to add musicians to the clown crew. So now it's not time all of a sudden for, for Houdini to walk out and have a, a top hat and start pulling rabbits out. They need to they need to show they're more organized than this. See this is hurting see this is why this is good for, for Clinton and for, for Sanders because look at the disorganization over there that's going on. So whoever they pull out, I'm gonna tell you something. I don't know if anybody can come along at this point and topple Donald Trump because people who are supporting him, they're in for the long haul. I don't think he's mm-hmm. doing anything. All right. All right, Jason, we got we to wrap it up, but it's always great to have you on. I know you're covering all of this stuff. Where can my listeners find you if they like to comment or just figure out what you're doing? You can follow me on Twitter at J-A-Y-C-O-Y-D-E-N. That's my Twitter handle, J Coyden. Uh, you can also follow us at ChicagoCrusader.com. That's our newspaper website. And just one other race of note I need to mention, Dorothy Brown pulled off a, a yes. historic victory as well and her run for Cook County uh, uh, clerk again. She was the incumbent. The Democratic Party distanced themselves from her, did not support her. They backed Michelle Harris. She blew Michelle Harris out the wall. So you've got to give Dorothy Brown a lot of props for running as a Democrat, but basically being independent and still winning. And Bobby Rush also creaming Alderman Howard Brookings in the first district for Congress. All right. All right, Chicago. All right, Nation, you've been put on notice. Make sure you always stay abreast of what's going on. And Jason Coyden Palmer of the Chicago Crusader, he's the guy to follow because he's going to keep it real and let you know what you need to know. All right, so some other interesting topics that are trending out there. You know, Donald Trump, I keep telling you, he won't go away, Nikki. 
He won't he go away. He will not go away quietly at all. But that's fine. He's here to stay, and I've come to accept this. I'm not even going to fret about it anymore. It is That's what, what it is. I'm fighting it. Can't fight it. Uh, let, me, let me say this, too. If you'd like to see the breakdown of everything from delegates to who voted where, everything from race, gender, age, the New York Times election section has a fantastic breakdown of all the states and who came out to vote, everything from economics. It's a great, a good way to kind of see who voted for who. Because, you know, a lot of times, I think sometimes people are confused who voted for Trump. So if you go to this New York Times page and check out by the states, it'll show you who voted for him on age, you know, education, race, all kinds of things. So if you kind of want to know who voted for Hillary Clinton, even by gender, it tells you. It's a fantastic breakdown by the New York Times. I'll post it to my Facebook page and Twitter, The Maya Kai Show, and you can check it out. All right. So speaking of Donald Trump, finally, a group that we have become familiar with because they liken themselves to be, I guess you could say, social media warriors trying to be the group of people that are trying to keep people honest. So anonymous, who have now, I guess you want to say, created the term of hacktivist, those individuals that yeah. are web savvy that can get, can get into places that nobody else can get, whether it's your email, your text, somehow whoever hacktivist is, is the most technological savvy person on this universe. And if the U.S. government ever figure out who they are, they will get paid good money to come work for them because they could have unlocked that Apple phone in no time. But yes. with, with that being said, they have decided that Donald Trump it's time to pump the brakes. And they have declared war on Donald Trump. And it's interesting, now that this is being reported, here's what they went on record saying. We have been watching you for a long time, and what we've seen is deeply disturbing. You don't stand for anything but your personal greed and power. This is a call to arms. Shut down his website, what they want to do, research and expose what he does not want the public to know. We need you to dismantle his campaign and sabotage his brain. They're going for him. Well, we'll see. He's going if down. They pull this off, <laughs> He's going down. If they can pull this off, and I'm always absolutely captivated by Anonymous, because if they can pull it off. But here's my thing about, even if you shut down his website, okay. But the problem I have with exposing him, but Nikki Donald Trump has been exposed. And it hasn't stopped True. people from supporting him. No. He made a comment that he could go out on Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody, and his, his supporters would still be behind him. So at this he, point, true. they have dug, they've, they've dug their heels in. I mean, there's commercials talking about how he used eminent domain to evict an elderly person, how he employed mm-hmm. illegals himself to you know, benefit him, but yet he talks about putting a wall up and things like that. So he has been exposed, but it hasn't stopped people from his doublespeak. So they could expose him. I don't, Nikki, I don't know that people who support him are going to go, wait a minute, Donald, but he's such a good person. I don't think no. it matters at this point. No. He has such a loyal following, and I think that either you love – if they could bring down scrolls from heaven for Donald Trump, and I would not like him. It would not change my mind at all. I'm still, So either you love him or you hate him, and it doesn't matter what anybody does. Whatever side you're on, that's where you're staying. I don't care. God could send a letter, and I'm like, nope won't. So and I can't be swayed, and I don't think his followers can be swayed either, but it's a it's a nice try. Yeah. Either you love People, him or you hate him. Nobody's in the middle. The, the line yes. in the sand has been drawn, and when people decided yes. that wherever, when they, when they claimed their allegiance, that was it. So it's interesting because now finally people are talking about the video from the rally in Florida where people look like they were saying, Heil Hitler. Um, it's finally actually getting national traction, and I was like, whatever. I was like, 
the yeah. fact that you can't tell me when they did it, they didn't realize what it looked like unless they're just oblivious to history. Correct. That's possible because he because he does like the poorly educated. So with that being said, maybe they don't know history because they weren't paying attention. But um, <laughs> I like I like I like that anonymous is on board and I like their cause. And Nikki, I just don't think that it's at not this gonna point it's gonna it's not gonna deter people from voting for him because they've decided that they're comfortable with who he is. It Correct. is what it is. It is what it is. Another story, and this is coming out of St. Louis, and this is, this, you know, is sad. And, I, we, and I'm talking about this because you brought this to my attention. I probably would have missed it. For everybody who was a big fan of the show to Sweetie Pies, which is on the OWN Network, yes. which yes. It, 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 um, it, it, it's a reality show about um, the owner um, of a famous Ms. restaurant Robbie, in Robbie. St. Louis, right, called mm-hmm. Ms. Robbie, that's called um, Sweetie Pies, which I've heard has amazing food. If I ever make it to St. Louis, it's delicious. I will try it. I will definitely make sure I roll through because, you know, I, I've just heard that it's, like, mouth-watering. It's amazing. Yes. So um, the show is on OWN, and it's been there for a while, doing well. And it's being reported that Miss Robbie, um, her 21-year-old grandson, Andre Montgomery, was shot and killed. And it was saying that, you mm-hmm. know, um, he's been on episodes of the show. He was an aspiring rapper. Yes. And that what's being reported right now is that he was recording at a, at a home in St. Louis, got a phone call, went outside to answer the call, and was gunned down while he was outside, and someone who was trying to help him was actually shot out as well. So there was an individual mm-hmm. that was, I guess, able to capture some, some tape on this. So we're trying to figure out what's going on. It's just really, it's sad. Yeah, I mean, this, I'm sure the thing about it, he, well, I, I watch Sweet Pies, I, so I, I, I watch it, and I remember when he was on, and what happened was he was from Texas, and he was getting in a lot of trouble, and he was flunking out. And then Ms. Robbie sent for him and was like, I don't want him to end up in jail or dead. So she sent for him and to come to St. Louis, and she got him back in school, and he lived with her, and they were trying to get him back on the right track, and he was doing well, but he had some difficulty, like, still going to school and trying to, you know, because I guess he was running amok in, in Texas. And so mm-hmm. I guess to come back to, like, I guess he started rapping, because he did graduate. They actually got him to graduate, and they showed, and they were so proud of him because he was just on the wrong path. So I don't, I mean, I don't know where this stem from if it was just from some old Texas stuff or if people were jealous of him because he you know because of who he is and his ties or whatever but whatever it was really really sad because he was trying to change and turn his life around and get back on the right track so this that's why when I saw this mm. I was like no I was yeah, like I no I've seen the show once or twice so I wasn't familiar but that's see that's sad for someone who was turning the corner we don't know the yes. details I'm sure sooner or later we might find something out but right you know, so my my condolences and prayers out to Miss yes. Robbie and her family because especially when you invest yes. that kind of time to try to save a life, mm-hmm. cultivate it, and help it grow, yes. to be extinguished for yes. whatever reason, it's not good enough to gun someone down. It doesn't matter what right. the issue is between people. That's not how you resolve things. This is not the okay corral folks anymore, and it's not even that. He didn't even know. So it's really sad. So when you share that, I'm like, you know, that's that's unfortunate. So condolences to Miss Robbie yes, and I'm sure this is this is just something that's difficult. Another story that actually is going to be a great segue into our next segment, which is the awful truth, is, and this is amazing to me. So Malia and Sasha Obama, who we know are the daughters of President Barack Obama and First Lady Michelle Obama, mm-hmm. actually attended their first state dinner on Thursday, last Thursday. Um, and can I just tell you this? I initially saw the pictures of Michelle's dress, which I was like, that? Michelle, I'm going to tell you something. From day one in, in the White House, Michelle Obama has killed it. She has dressed to the nines. 
not just in the sense of, I mean, fashion forward, but just sophisticated, feminine, powerful. She's covered all of those descriptors. I'm serious. And the mm-hmm. girls, what I liked about, about Sasha and Malia is they always came across as young ladies, which I would expect nothing less of that. Oh, absolutely. So they never really... They never really took them to these big state events until finally now because they're old enough. Because what I think Sasha's fourteen and Malia is seventeen. Okay. Yeah, she's graduating. Yeah. Yeah. First, they were breathtaking. Let me just say that I'm like mm-hmm. these dresses, especially Sasha's dress. I was like, that dress is amazing. People yeah. actually got irritated and went to social media and different media outlets made the comment about. Allegedly, these dresses that they wore roughly would have cost $20,000 a piece. Oh, and who put their kids in $20,000, you know, dresses <gasps> and so on and so forth. And mind you, the picture they're showing of them is they're talking to Ryan, you know, Ryan Reynolds, who is Deadpool, among other characters that right. actually displayed. Um, and he looks like he's really engaged. I think he's going, damn, she's fine. <laughs> That's what I think. <laughs> but I'm married to Blake Lively. We've been pretty well. But, um. Because he looks awfully engaged in the 14th. Let me stop. Anyway, mm-hmm. but opposed to people saying, you know, how mature they were and respectable, people took to social media actually criticizing that they had these expensive dresses on. Can I say one thing first and foremost? The chances that they paid for those dresses are probably slim are to none. To none. Celebrities don't pay for red carpet dresses. But they you, don't. I'm sorry. Did you think that they were going to show up in dresses from David's bridal at a state dinner? Right. People get with the program. This is government, high-ranking officials. Why would they come in anything less? I mean, the criticism was just unnecessary, and it was wrong. And I was like, that that makes no sense to me whatsoever. You know what? Here's the thing, and this is just and when when people do that, it had they had on hoochie dresses, up, then that would have been a problem. Like these ladies are age appropriate. They always look very very nice. They represent their family well and everything. And it's it's always a problem. It's like you have to find a problem. They're twenty thousand dollars a piece. Guess what? Their pre- their parents are the president and first lady of the United States of America. You have to go to David's bridal. I can wear a twenty thousand dollar dress. <laughs> Shut up and don't worry about it. How that's about that? exactly the, that, that is the point that matters to me. People have this disillusion about wealth. Not that I think the Obamas are like these opulent people, but wealthy they are. twenty thousand dollars to them. Seriously, a wealthy person. $20,000 to them might look like $1,000 to an average Joe. You know what I'm saying? Like sure. it's a character. Sure. So how they dress and what they can afford, you're not in the same arenas. So why are you criticizing somebody because they can do better because they have more? But more importantly, given their position, I don't think that these dresses were over the top. They were feminine. No. They were, they were age-appropriate. They fit the event they were at. This is expected. And if anybody else's kids had been dressed like this at this kind of event, nobody would have said anything. How about you just say Correct. they look amazing? More importantly, they look like two young girls, which, given what we see today, is something that's missing a lot within our, our, our current popular culture overall. When you look at the Kardashians oh, yeah. and everybody else who's trying to absolutely yeah. just bloodify young girls. So this works great into our next segment, The Awful Truth. We're going to take a break so we can move a bit because we're going to dig deep in this next segment. Let me okay. say this. And this is kind of a racial conversation, but I want everybody to feel free to weigh in on this. There's some criticism going on with two different situations. The first is Sierra gets engaged to Russell Wilson. And the Mm -hmm. negative feedback that came from it just absolutely mortified me. And I want to say why it bothers me. Because I want people to stop and think about what they're criticizing. 
And the other conversation, and we talked about this too, Nikki and I did, is that Mariah Carey is set to to marry the very wealthy James Packard, and she is getting into a true form, working out, looking great. And her brother comes after her and says, hey, we got a sister here who's dying. And he's saying that Mariah is not being supportive to the sister. Let's talk a bit about that as well. But before we do, so chew on that, because there's an awful truth to it. We'll come back, and we'll go ahead and put everything on the table. Everybody be tuned in. Much more. 
Russell Wilson are engaged. She said yes. Yeah. <laughs> Making this thing happen. My baby. Yay, I'm so excited. God is so good. All the time. Russell shared that adorable announcement on Instagram, captioning the clip, Since day one, I knew you were the one. No greater feeling. Hashtag true love. And let's freeze frame on that ring. He did good. The engagement happened in the Seychelles, where the couple has been vacationing over the last few days. He is awesome. He's so beautiful. The singer and quarterback have been dating since April 2015, making headlines for publicly declaring they were staying a celibate in the relationship, seemingly until marriage. All right. Welcome back to the Maya Kai Show Unplugged featuring comedian Nikki Brayton. We're into our new segment, The Awful Truth, and that was E.T., Entertainment News, sharing the news that Sierra, R&B artist, and Russell Wilson, the quarterback, starting quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks, who had a very, I guess you could say, high-profile, highly-criticized relationship, have finally decided that they are ready to consummate the marriage, but in the right way, which means, right. obviously, they decided to get married. When their relationship came out, it was, it was open that they were dating, but they decided to not engage in having sex. And the amount of criticism that came with that, Nikki, it really kind of bothered me. I was like, okay, so if you're certified, it's okay if you're out there just doing it and doing it and doing it well. Everyone's cool mm-hmm. with But when two people step up and say, you know what, we've lived, he was married, she's been in a relationship, right. has a child with Future, who's a rapper, allegedly, no, he is, um, <laughs> probably one of the hardest. No, allegedly. Yeah, actually, I want to say right before she met Russell, I remember her writing a song or singing a song about feeling unappreciated and wanting to be appreciated and wanting to be loved and that kind of stuff. So has it ever occurred to everybody who wanted to criticize that they finally said, opposed to us jumping into being sexual with each other, which I think everybody will agree, when you decide to have sex with someone, that changes the entire complexion Dynamic. of the relationship. It does. It I does. think you actually lose focus. Sometimes you think you're in love, but you're in love. Mm-hmm. So to take the time mm-hmm. to just get to know somebody for who they are, I want to know why that's a bad thing. That's the first thing. Why is that a bad thing? I'm going to tell you why. Because the hu- because of the human condition. Because it seems like when you do that and when most people don't do that, it's kind of like you're better than me. And if I know anything about human beings, human beings hate to think that somebody's trying to be better than them. It's just a thing that bothers everybody. So when the norm does something and you decide to do something completely different, it looks like you're looking down on everybody else who engages in that behavior and people have a problem with it because they themselves do it. So it's like, so why are you trying to be all extra and special? That's why. from a mental health standpoint, that sounds like a whole lot of counter transference. It sounds like because exactly, what, exactly what it is. Feels That's exactly like, what it is. Oh, why you yes. did that? I've done that, and now you're. And, and why am yes. I not worthy of that? And then men are That's like, exactly "Oh man, if he's not. If, he, if it's not pimps up and holds down, and if I'm not doing this, if you're not hitting it, then you're not man enough." I mean, that's the kind of stuff that people were saying. Mainly black yes. people. I hate to say that. 
Um, yeah. And I was like, okay, um, this is the right way to do it, people. And it, here's what's the most important thing. If this works for Sierra and Russell Wilson, it doesn't really matter what anybody else thinks. So one, sure. I hope this marriage works and it's successful for them because it seems like they really took time to get to know each other. And we don't know what they was doing, no way. But that's not the point. Right. I hope it works for them. But then all of a sudden, when they, I will admit, they, they sound like two of the flakiest people in the world, but they seem like they might be a good match. She's like, yeah. And she's like, ah. And I was like, this is weird. <laughs> and, but I was like, they're probably a good fit for each other for whatever reason. It's not my relationship. But the things that people were saying, like, this is stupid. Why are they getting married? And I wouldn't, I wouldn't marry her. She's a bust down. I'm like, when did Sierra become a bust down? And I'm like, and more importantly, why is it so bad that she carried herself like a woman who deserved respect? How he treated her is exactly how I would want a man to treat me. Respect. Absolutely. I am not a I am not a vessel. I am not meant for you to think that when you start dating me that sex automatically comes with the territory. But unfortunately, in modern dating, everybody has this idea that we're supposed to have sex. To the point where you have everybody writing a book about it who aren't even experts. Steve Harvey thinks he can tell women what to do because I guess he assumes that women don't know what they're supposed to do. Well, I guess if right. nobody taught you nothing, then maybe you don't know any better. But I I'm guess like, so. well, how, how he treated her, if, if men would take notice, that's how you're supposed to, that's how men at least used to treat women. I mean, now it's kind of like, if you don't want to give it up, they move on to the next person who they feel like will give it up. And that's just, I, I hated the criticism that came with it. I really did. I didn't like it at all. I didn't like it at all. I'm like, how Sierra's a bust down, but Kim Kardashian isn't? I'm like, no, but I was like, where's the, really? I'm like, do you understand, like, how, it's just, the way that we think now and just our overall view of, of the world, it's like you can't, with the same thing with Sasha and Malia, everybody's criticizing you. Why are you criticizing these people who try to do something the correct way? It seems like we have a problem with that. We fight that. Instead of applauding that, we don't. We applaud the negativity. We applaud the Kardashians. Yes. We applaud those yes. girls with, you can see their nipples through their dress. And nobody says any, yes. they're hot. They have all these followers. And then you have two young ladies that go somewhere looking age-appropriate, like young ladies, yes. and then here comes yes. the criticism. It's just so backward. We we are now a species of, of just disgust me because anytime someone <sighs> tries to do good, it's like people instantly want to make it, oh, you think you're special. No, I don't, but yes. I'm trying to do the right thing. And if, if that bothers you, then please we step aside. Don't bother, Don't worry about what I'm doing. It's like people are more happy to embrace someone like Kim Kardashian or someone like mm-hmm. Kylie Jenner. People who yes. are, you know, to me, embodied everything that I think is a poor example of what a woman is. And don't talk to me about feminism and, like, it's about taking control of your life and owning your sexuality. It's slutty to me. But I'm old school. It's slutty. Why does Kim Kardashian mm-hmm. have to be in a mirror butt naked and then putting bars across her private parts? You're somebody's mother. What is it yeah. for that kind of photograph, especially at your age, on social media? And it's yeah. like, once again, Kim Kardashian breaks the Internet. Um. Because she's a slut. I'm sorry. She has no respect for herself. She has no respect for the fact that she has a daughter. I feel bad for North. I'm like, what is the And a son. She has a daughter and a son. How do you think your son is going to feel? He's eventually going to go, and kids are going to be like, ooh, look at your mama in the mirror. Like, that's crazy. Can you imagine that? Like, when you grow up and everybody has naked pictures of your mom? Kanye West is his father, who's going to fill his head with people are hating on your mama because she's beautiful, she's sexy, and they mama don't look like that. He's gonna, they're all going to be twisted up. 
because Donda is gone, there's no balance to that anymore. And it's just really disgusting to me that two people do something that's right, that works for them, and everybody's Correct. got something smart to say about it. Here's the thing. Nobody, Sierra and Russell Wilson never said to anybody, you should do this. They said, we're no. doing this because it's good for us. That's all right. they said. Right. So if you I don't agree. like it, then you don't have to adhere to that. Right. The question I just posted on Facebook as well as here on Blog Talk to shift gears on this about the awful truth. Mm-hmm. If you happen to be the person in your family that's doing well, has more money than any everybody else in your family, it it do be the trend that everybody in your family comes to you for help, usually mm-hmm. financial assistance. Hey, mm-hmm. can you help me out? Cause um, I got to <laughs> so on and so forth. Can you can you help a brother out? Come on, cause you know. And eventually it wears on people because they're like, you know what? I'm not I'm not an ATM for you. It's one Correct. thing you help somebody one time, but when it turns into you're the hit parade in your family, but for all the wrong reasons, are right. you obligated to keep supporting people? Well, there's a story out right <laughs> now that's saying Mariah Carey is heartless and evil. Her brother is blasting her for not paying their dying sister's medical bill. Talk about family drama. And Morgan Carey, the brother, he is the older brother. He feels because at this point, Mariah, who's very successful and very wealthy, who, by the way, her sister in her healthier days, they almost could have been twins. It was eerie yeah. how much these two women yeah. looked like. It was really, really super mm-hmm. eerie. Um, at one point in time, Mariah was actually very integral in helping out her sister, who is who was unfortunately a drug addict, prostitution, right. in an entirely different way than Mariah did. And it's not that she always hasn't been there. But my question is, is she obligated to have to be there all the time? Does no. she have to do this until it's over? No. Look, no. And I'm going to say, I tell people this all the time. You can't tell somebody else what to do with their money. We don't know if she's being supportive. This is what I know. When people are wealthy, other people have a higher expectation of what you should do than what you are willing to do. So we don't know that she's being supportive. We just don't know if she's not being supportive like they want her to be supportive. And people will do that. If I give you a $50 gift card for your birthday, you'll be like, thank you, that was nice. If Mariah Carey gives you one, you'll be like, $50, that's all? Because you have a different expectation for her to do something because she has so much money. And a lot of times that comes with the territory. She's probably like, I'll do this, but I'm not willing to do that. And their bottom line is like, but you have all that money, why not? And you, because I don't want to. And that's the thing. She doesn't have to do that. No one has, it's her money, and she can do whatever she wants to with it. And I don't know why people don't get that. I really don't know why people don't understand that. She doesn't have to do anything. I know it probably seems so heartless to people, like, well, she's dying. And she has been there for her. But, I mean, why is it that she has to be the, first of all, you hit on some key points. We don't fully know Mariah Carey's financial situation. She does have two children. She's probably going to end up having to pay alimony to Nick Cannon. Who knows? I don't know. But we don't know her full financial situation, and she probably can't afford to pay the bills. But my she question can, is, her probably. Morgan, her brother Morgan is out there talking about it. Morgan, will you pay him if you feel that way about it? Right. I feel. And here's the thing. We don't know the dynamic that's going on in the Carey family. Something exactly. might have happened that made her pump the brakes and say, okay, I'm done now. We don't know what fully happened. And if I was her, I wouldn't even bother to speak on it. Obviously, no. she's made a decision. She's made a decision, and she has to live with it. But what I'm not going to demonize her is because she doesn't want to be there to pay every bill for everybody all the time. I don't think that's fair to people. I don't think so either. And like I said, we don't know if she's contri- – she might contribute $1,000 a month and say, this is all I'm going to give, $1,000, but it's Mariah Carey. You, you're worth $50 million. 
that's not enough. And so that's what I'm saying. We don't know if she's being supportive or not. She probably just said, this is what I'm giving. And a lot of times when you have so much money, people like to tell you what they want you to give. And that's not right. That is not right at all. I agree with you on that. I think that often with people are so quick to tell wealthy people what to do with their money. Well, what do you what do to with, do with their money? money? Yes. Yes. And I think we need to, we need to stop that. Because, oh, you shouldn't buy a $20,000 dress. What kind of message is that? The message that I'm going to send. And if you don't like it, the message that I have $20,000 to buy a dress. That's what the message is. That's the message. We spend that I have so much time in other people's, back, other people's yes. backyards. Most people's backyards yes. need a grass cut, need the hedges to be trimmed, yes. need to edge the yard. Get out of other people's mm-hmm. backyard and worry about your own. You know what? Yes. How people spend their money, they made it. She worked hard to make her money. However, she decided Thank to you. spend it. It's totally her decision, and it doesn't mean you're a bad person because you happen to like nice things. Because last time I checked, most people like nice things. They yeah. just can't afford it. That's why the not <laughs> is what it is, okay? Because I can't afford the real thing. Give me something that looks a lot like it because I'll take that. Because if it wasn't for that, Nick, am I wrong? If it wasn't for people wanting no. what wealthy people have, would there be knockoffs? Why would you care? No. no you wouldn't care. But that's a no, huge you wouldn't, industry. You wouldn't care. You it's a kidding. major thing, what? and Michael Kors want to ring all y'all next. I'm just telling you, <laughs> Michael Kors want to kill every last one of you knockoff characters. Don't worry, <laughs> he want to drag you from him, here. Was before him was Louis Vuitton was before, before him. Chanel was before him. Um, oh, you could tell those, those Chanel, you could tell any. I'm like, that's rubber foam plastic. I'm like, you are not kidding. <laughs> you are not plastic. fooling anybody with that rubber foam plastic. Not Soul. You are not fooling right. a soul. That's the awful <laughs> truth, folks. We all we know has when we can't have it. We want to point the finger and make people feel bad about it. That's not reality. That's, it doesn't work like that at all. All right, that's the awful truth. We're going to take another break before we jump into the second hour and talk about the fringe. The screening room in your home. Would that appeal to you? And how do you feel about a reboot of Xena Warrior Princess? But just know, make a note that she's definitely going to be lesbian. And FYI, okay. if you like Coors Flakes or Frosted Flakes, somebody might have taken a wee-wee in your box. All that and more ah. when we come back.
movie theaters are going to be obsolete just like video stores and just like buying CDs, like what Napster and iTunes and Spotify did to the CD is going to kill it. Eventually, that's the way in which we're moving technology-wise, you know what I mean? I think there'll be fewer theaters. Like I said, from a formatic standpoint, you can't change big format films. So I think there'll be fewer of them, probably not as many. And it it doesn't seem like right now, as this is in a concept stage, what the what screening room did is it looked at to me the success that Netflix and Amazon Prime was having, where people mm-hmm. were subscribing and loving that I can watch an entire season of my show right then and there. And the content right. a lot of those outlets are giving, people are raving about like Orange is New Black was a Netflix deal, you know. So right. um, they've got different things like The Flash. So people really are liking the fact that you know Netflix and Amazon Prime have changed a lot of things. They looked at okay. People are open to this subscription service idea. That's where I think it came from. And so how this would work is you'd pay roughly about $150 up front for a special um, set-top box, obviously a box mm-hmm. that for the screen, streaming of this, because obviously they've got to make sure they can find ways that people can't hack this or whatever. So it's a special right. box that's separate from anything you like would have, like with cable, probably like Apple TV, stuff like that. So you mm-hmm. have like, a special box that you have to purchase, that if they're saying it roughly would be like 150 bucks. This is probably okay. on demo form, because I've seen the movies, see it before it goes to the theater. I've seen this with films that aren't blockbusters, but I've seen this being tested out in different markets. Now they say within 48 hours of when the movie is supposed to be released in the theaters, you pay your $50 to watch it. So it's kind of like pay-per-view meets, you know, the movie theater. It's ultimately what this really is. It's at-home pay-per-view for, for right. movies for new releases, which I think within itself, I think it's a great idea, and I think that it'll probably take, because for people who have kids, this becomes a better way to watch movies that are current without breaking the bank to do it. So I actually believe that it's going to take off, and I do think it will affect movie theaters. Yes. I think they're going to see a, a dip. I mean, the box office will still gross, but I believe that you know, movie, you know, movie houses are going to be like, this is great for us, movie theaters are not going to like this. I'm waiting to see if any kind of legislation is going to try to block this. I don't know what it could be because it seems like it's perfectly legal. I mean, you have the right to decide how you're going to release films. I don't know how they could fight it, but it'll be interesting. Either that or the cost of going to the movies will drop dramatically, one of the two. They're going to have to, that's the only way, because I'm like, as long as it's $13 a ticket and I have four people, that's my 50 bucks right now, and I have not even bought snacks. So you're going to have to really do something to make me come out because this is a great deal for me. Where I'm sitting, this is an well, awesome you know, deal. And, I, and I also think about this, too, and, and you, you hit the nail on the head, especially for adults. Let's just say I'm going to pick a, a random movie out that's, out that's already been out, but it was a buzz. So remember, like, when Sex and the City came out and everybody wanted to see it? That was a movie mm-hmm. that probably a bunch of people would have got together at somebody's home, whoever yes. had the biggest TV would have had cocktails yes. and food, and you would have yes. enjoyed it, and it would have been more of a social experience because you would have been watching it, but guess what? Now you can giggle and you can talk. And you, you can, can talk, things, yes. and You can respond, you know? Now, they haven't said that you can pause the movie and go back and all that kind of stuff. They haven't mentioned all that, but it does actually allow the movie to become more of a social kind of experience that when you're in the theater, you kind of have to be reserved and you can't, you're not supposed to talk. Correct. Now your cell, your cell phone doesn't have to be off and all kinds of stuff Correct. Like because you're, you're now in a, in a space, a private space. I, I think it's actually going to take off because I see yes. more positives than I do negatives to this. So coming to your TV screening room, they're probably testing it right now. I might even consider doing it because I'll tell you why. Oh, I'm For me, I miss, I, I miss a lot of movies because I, I can't make it to the theater. So mm-hmm. I would actually 
even though Pussy Bucket was just me, seems like at the watch, I'd be like, hey, hey, you guys, come over and watch this movie with me. <laughs> but, <laughs> ten dollars. seriously. <laughs> buying the DVD is cheaper, but I'll tell you what, at the same time, I got to wait for it to get to DVD. And that's why right. it's different. Now, I wonder, too, if they'll end up having, like, after the movie's been out for X amount of weeks, you can still watch it from a discounted rate. That'll be huge, too. So the first, the first day, you know, for the maybe the first, like, month or two, it's 50 bucks, and after that, it drops down to 25 Then that makes it right. even more interesting. Because people, people will be like, oh, I'll just wait. <laughs> I'll just wait. So you know what? But here's great, the thing. Things idea. are coming. Remember? When it was Blockbuster, it would take movies like six months to a year to make it to Blockbuster. Now it is really yeah. on demand. To, like Creed, you can watch Creed now. Like all those movies yeah. that were oh, Oscar yeah. nominated, yeah. and uh, you can watch all of those now. And they weren't. It didn't take that long. So in like three to four, six months roughly, you can watch it at home on demand. So it shouldn't even take that long to drop it to a reduced uh, rate because it's already a reduced uh, rate. On demand. It's just, a way, it's just a way to make more money. And I'm going to tell you something. I yeah. can see them tying this into the Oscar buzz. Hey, if you miss mm-hmm. these nominated movies, guess what? We're having an Oscar marathon. You can watch yes. all these movies or X amount of price. It's only going to be 10 bucks a pop. It's just another way to yes. generate money. You'll be like, oh, I didn't see that. Let me see what this buzz is about. I can see so many ways. Because here's yes. where, even though people do like when things get re-released to the movie theater, like they recently did things like um, – Pretty in Pink and Ferris Bueller's Day Off, mm-hmm. a lot of John Hughes films. And people actually went to see it because it was nostalgic. But, you know, if you do this at home, you'd be like, oh, hey, I'm going to have a party. You know, Bueller, Day Off, mm-hmm. anything. Come over, guys. Let's have, a, have an 80s party or whatever. I, I could yeah. see this having a lot of potential to it. Whoever's idea this was and whoever got them to buy into this, because when you get Spielberg, Scorsese, yes. Howard, Peter Jackson, J.J. Abrams, when you get these people to say yes to this because this is their product, Okay, pretty much it don't happen. It's, when Spielberg says it's a done deal. Yeah, it's, it's a happen. done deal. Because Stevie says so, and that's that. So it's going to happen. But I, actually, I feel bad for movie theaters. You're about to take a loss, and you better come up with some kind of way to combat this. I don't know what it is, but they better figure it out. They better figure yeah. it out because um, you're about to Because I'm, sure. I'm buying this box. I'm buying the box. There's no doubt. I'm, I'm in. I'm Christmas. buying the box. What do you want for Christmas? Screening room. <laughs> the box. For the gift certificate for like for like three hundred dollars. What do you want? Screening. I want screening room gift certificate. That's what I want. But um, yeah. No, I think this is this is going to take off. I see a positive. So everybody, keep your eyes peeled. You might be watching some of your best movies at home. All right. Another story that's trending, and I really had mixed emotions about this, and probably for a little bit of the wrong reasons. I was a huge fan of Xena, Warrior Princess. Mm-hmm. I loved. I mean, Lucy Lawless was like. She was the next version of Wonder Woman to me. Actually, she was. I mean, powerful. She was, you know, uh, I just, I just like Xena. I think a lot of people were captivated by that show. Now, let me just say this. I was not remiss on the fact that, obviously, there was this affectionate relationship between her and Gabrielle. Do you remember the other character? That yeah. Um, without it being overly blatant, I want to say there was even a shared tip in the end, in the end episode. I want to say Xena got beheaded, I, if I remember right. I was getting um, ready to say. I was just I, ready I to say, I don't know what the big deal was. I thought she was a lesbian the whole entire time. I'm like, she wasn't? I didn't well, know. This is not a big deal to okay, me. And, and that was that was the thing. So the part of what I, I guess kind of annoys me about this is, so now there's a, re- a, re- a reboot being slated. And um, I think it's interesting because I think you're going to have to work hard to, to cast this right because people are going to be particular about it. So the executive producer on this, um, Javier Grillo, I said, we're rebooting this. 
Um, they're working on casting, but one thing you should know, the relationship which he felt alluded that they were companions will be obvious. Well, Nikki, I was saying I felt that it was obvious without them saying it. So part of what already has turned me up, what has turned me off about this already, and people can probably say I'm homophobic, I don't care, is why is it that something has to be, like, in your face? I didn't want Zena because of her sexuality. I liked how she was powerful as a woman and could kick ass. That's what I liked about the show. And her side relationship with Gabrielle, it didn't bother me, nor did it make me uncomfortable. So my thing is, are you about to tell me you're about to put, like, unnecessary sex scenes into something just for probably more edge? I, I don't. I, don't I mean, I don't. I didn't, I, it was obvious. I was like, she's a lesbian. I wasn't a fan of it. I didn't watch it like that. I would flip past it. I was like, first of all, there's too many chicks on this. I don't like. I'll, I don't like a whole bunch of women on a whole bunch of stuff like this. So I was like, I don't like it. But it, it was. I thought they were lesbians. Whether you and said if you got lesbian tendencies, everybody. I'm like, you're a lesbian. Your tendencies make everybody. you a lesbian to me. So whether you say it or not, I don't care. And, oh, see, and this is where people get lost. This is where people get lost in translation with this. Like, so now what you're about to tell me is you want to beat me over the head with something. And I'm like, and I already knew it was there in the first place. Here, here, I sure did. Need to, need to understand this. Homosexuality is here to stay. It isn't going anywhere. It's come out of right. the closet. We see it in more programming. I see it on TV and movies all the time. And the thing about it is mm-hmm. it doesn't make me uncomfortable. I'm like, okay, it's no – I mean, a lot of people go, like, all out. I'll admit every now and then I kind of – I might cringe when I see two men. I'm like, ooh, goodness. But, you know, other than that, I'm yeah. like, okay. But I don't, I don't get up in arms and upset about it because I just realize it's something that's becoming more common. But I'm like, when you try to beat people over the head with it, I think that's when people get annoyed. Like, so now you're going to blatantly just throw it in my face and push it more. I know that it's there. So what is the point of it? So I don't, I don't know. It, it might end up being a failure and end up on the Logo channel, not because it's not a good show, but people, I think, feel like you're force-feeding me again. I get it. It was there in the first place. And nobody cared. See, that's the thing. Nobody cared the first time that they knew they were lesbians. So what? You reboot it. I don't know. I don't know. But, does, but my, then I'm just saying, but now that you know, now you care, I mean, I don't know. Now it's like, it's, like, it's, like it's solidified. We're telling you. Don't guess. Don't wonder. Just now, what difference does it make? But here's what's interesting. In sci-fi, roles of gay women have been there for a bit. And I remember. I used to watch Deep, Deep Space Nine. Dash was gay. Um, Battlestar Galactica, that character, characters in Doctor Who. This is not new. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, this is not new. And Orphan Black, I mean, it's not new. And I'm seeing it all the time. So I'm like, you're not doing anything groundbreaking. But what you might do is take a character that people like and make people go, hmm, whatever. Because now I feel like you're trying to make it edgy. And, and that's not what this is about. It's just interesting. I, I don't know. I just don't. It doesn't, it's not appealing to me for the right reasons. Because first of all, if you reboot this, it better be good. Because Lucy Lawless, was, she was the stuff. Seriously, she was. So, I don't know. For my Zena people who liked it, I'll be curious how you feel. Weigh in. Let us know. Post. Respond to the comment. A final story. See? Mm-hmm. I'm going to become a recluse. I'm going to stop losing my house. Um, I'm going <laughs> to eat stuff that grows in my backyard because I've just had it. I remember the story popped up on the radar like last week about allegedly there was an employee who was working a factory line at a Kellogg's factory. Kellogg's makes cereal primarily, the ones that you love. Yes. And this video showed an employee on the line allegedly urinating into products. So, People are disgusting. Of course. Oh, beyond disgusting humans. I swear to God, if I didn't belong to the species, I would absolutely disgust if I could get away with it. But, of course, eventually the Food and Drug Administration gets a hold of this, as well as Kellogg's, so now they're, they're investigating this, because I guess 
where the video came from. There's cameras and different things throughout the warehouse. Now they're launching a criminal investigation um, to see if, one, if this was true or if this is not true, if they, you know, grabbed, you know, I guess the Kellogg logo. Um, it's been determined, though, that this video surfaced or was recorded in Memphis, Tennessee, in a factory in 2014. So we've already consumed the frost at this point with the up. But I'm sorry, it wasn't it wasn't the stereo. They're saying potentially the products that were impacted, Rice Krispie treats, granola clusters. So I'm happy to say those are two things I really don't eat. So luckily I'm not eating someone's urine at this point. But either way, yeah. I have a question. Why why would you do that? Why I don't know. It comes from the somebody ever like who's eating your Cheerios? That's probably where it came from. I'm like now that's a actual like <laughs> statement. You, have you ever had somebody say that to you? Like when you're sad and yeah. I'm like who's eating your Cheerios? So they was like, hey, this is a good idea. Some guy Cheerios. This is so disgusting. And, you know, some guy on the assembly line in Kellogg's allegedly did. Now what? <laughs> right. <I don't> understand. <laughs> Why people do stuff like that, it's just really super ignorant and unnecessary. It really is. But, it you know, is. I don't eat cereal and anything like that, so I'm I'm pretty safe from this because I'm not a cereal person. I might eat cereal once every five years. I really don't eat cereal. But this, well, I don't understand. What. When they find whoever did it, whether he was faking it or not, I don't care, press charges. Because you knew what you were doing, mm. you knew what was wrong when you did it. So you got your 15 minutes of fame, and hopefully they'll give you 15 years on bars because it's not funny. All right, yeah. that wraps up the friends. We're going to take another quick break and come back, and it's time for what would Nikki say where she goes for <laughs> guys. Oh, it's tight, everybody. Tonight, I'm going to play. We'll be right back. Everybody's feet in the fast lane, surely now. Revving through the kids, trying to keep ourselves from stressing now. Uh, take a look in your heart and your soul. This is really it. Is it all that you are? We're so caught up in the riddle and we suffer for so little all along. Home 
right, everybody. Welcome back. You're tuned in to the Maya Kai Show Unplugged featuring comedian Nikki Brayden. And it's Wednesday, so you know what that means. It is time for <sighs> What Would Nikki Say, where she goes four rounds toe-to-toe with your Abby, trying to give wayward souls for seeking advice the real deal. So remember the rule to this is, one, Nikki never knows what the scenario is, nor does she know do what your Abby would say. So she goes into this blindly, to say the least. And mm-hmm. so let's see who can give the best advice so far, dear Abby. She's not has not walked away with a win. <laughs> you are officially undefeated as it stands. So we'll see what happens today if dear Abby somehow okay. can find a way to come up with good advice. So the scenarios today are, are really family and friend focused. So we'll see what you have to say. Without further ado, everybody, let's go ahead and get this going. Let's get ready to rumble! With that being said, round one, okay. mom taking steps into dating is tripped up by daughter. Okay. I'm a single mom in my 40s, and my daughter is 12. After my last relationship 10 years ago, not with her father, I took a leave of absence from dating, from the dating world, to concentrate on myself and being the best mother I could. Let's fast forward. When I attempt to talk to anyone of the opposite sex, my daughter has a fit. She has hidden my car keys, my phone, pouts if I go out and behave like an all-out brat. I have reassured her that I love her and always will. Also, I would never allow someone around her if I had any suspicion that he might not be good for her. Nothing works. I have spoken with only one only person about this that I would even think of introducing her to but I'm afraid of her attitude. What's the best way to enter into the dating world without hurting my child? I want to date, but my child won't let me. Entering the dating world again. All right. What do you do with this? Your your child won't let you. This is what you do. You tell her she's 12 and that you're an adult. What do you mean you won't let me? Here's the thing, and I and I get it, and I un, I completely understand that as a mother, you you would like to consider your children, and I would it would be a completely different story if mom has been dating in this man after man after man after man after man. I understand that, but it sounds like she's responsible. It sounds like she knows that I'm just not going to bring anybody around her, and you have that conversation with her, and you assure her I'm not going to just bring anybody around you. However, I'm an adult. Mom needs to be happy, too, and this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to start dating. I'm going to like anybody. Don't you worry about that part. When I meet somebody and he's ready to come around with you, we'll have that conversation. But for right now, she can't even go on the date. You don't have my car keys. You don't do anything because you're 12, and I'm going to date, and you're going to act appropriately, and you're going to act like you're 12, and that's exactly what you do. What do you mean she won't let me? You better go on the date and let her be 12 and tell her she's 12. And go get your groove back on, lady. <laughs> She's 12. Tell her to have a seat. She's not the mom. All right. Not and that's how you handle that. All right. Here's what dear Abby had to say. Your daughter likes things just the way they are and views any disruption as a threat to her lifestyle. The best way to enter into the dating world would be to do it without consulting her. If and when you meet someone and things become serious, introduce them then in a casual way. If she acts up, remember that you are the parent. 
Your daughter doesn't have to love someone because you do. She does, however, have to treat that person with the same respect with which you treat her friends, and you should insist upon it. You are the parent, and it's up to you to enforce the rules for as long as she lives with you. Okay. You guys kind of both put yes. down on that. You, Yeah, like you're the mom. Yes. I think it's interesting yeah. when people allow their children to dictate their lives, what they can't do because I don't, they're not like, I don't know. She has other like, bratty behavior. You, it, yeah, she, yeah, she has other bratty behavior because you just don't do that. And it would be a different circumstance. She's like, okay, you go out with another guy every month. I'm, I get a child acting out that way, right. but it sounds like she dictates a lot. <laughs> I don't think this is the only area where she dictates things. So she needs to nip that in the bud right now while she's 12 because it doesn't get any better. 16, 17, oh, my gosh, that's really going to be out of control. So, yeah, you're the mom. Yeah, it, it sounds like I bet you she's, she's probably controlling so many other things that we didn't hear mm-hmm. about in that mm-hmm. for her to be so, so assertive. Guarantee you know, so it. Very, very yes, guarantee it. All right, a little bit more parenting on the table. And we've got a, we've yes. got a touched on this topic in other stories, so we'll see how you, what you think about this. Great school okay. talk about sex needs guidance from parents. Okay. My daughter is in fifth grade at a very small rural school. She's going and making friends easily. My problem is when she comes home from school, she tells my husband and me about the conversations the other fifth grade girls are having. Most of them involve boys. However, recently the conversations are about sex and things these girls say they want boys to do to them, which include rape. Let me say that one more time. What? However, recently the conversations are about sex and things these girls say they want the boys to do to them, which include, my husband and I are appalled. My daughter knows that it's not appropriate to discuss these topics, but if she's forced by these girls to listen, what should she do? Should we discuss this with the other parents involved? Please help concerned parents in Oklahoma. (laughs) <laughs> what do you mean? Whoa. What should she do? It's what you should what what you should do. And if you're saying should you discuss this, that should have been a discussion the first time she came home talking about boys and rape. There are times when, as parents, we're not ready for our kids to have certain conversations, and we're not ready to have them. But there's sometimes when the world makes them ready, and then you have to jump in there. Unless you want your daughter to be raped and to think that's cool, because friends, I don't care what you tell them, and we know this because we've all been children, sometimes friends will trump your parents, even though you know something is wrong. And this is serious. Fifth grade and sex mm-hmm. and all of these and rape. And that rape, I can't even believe we keep, we keep saying that. Girls are saying that. That is serious, and so it is time to have a very, very serious conversation with your daughter, and you can't have it once. You cannot have this conversation once. This is something that you have to instill in her. This is something that you're going to have to keep talking about. You don't have to beat her over the head with it, but it's something that you can casually bring up and say, remember, we had this conversation, because whether or not you like it, these girls are going to talk about it, and they're only in fifth grade. And then sixth, seventh, and eighth, they'll probably be acting on it. So you need to have that mm-hmm. conversation now, and you need to have it often with your daughter if you don't want her to, because you can't stop her from listening to it. She's not going to stop being their friends, and you, she can't tell them what to talk about and what not to talk about. So you just well, take care of your yeah. daughter, and you make sure your daughter is well-informed, have the conversation, and have it often. All right. Here's what Dara Abby had to say. While discussing sex- sexual matters may not seem appropriate to you, that's what some children in grammar school do. The problem, however, is that a lot of misinformation can be transmitted among them. 
be glad your daughter trusts you enough that she's willing to tell you what is being said. If there were, if they were my daughters and I had not yet talked, had the talk with her, I would waste no time initiating it. Her classmates right. may say some some things they do they do for shock value and have no concept about the violence and physical and emotional damage that a rapist can inflict. Not only should you bring this to the attention of the parents of their classmates, also talk to the school principal because these girls have been exposed to rape, pornographic movies, etc. The best way to combat screwed up thinking like this is through frank, open discussion and education. Mm. So, would would you engage the other parents? Um, that's a slippery. You know what? That's a slippery slope. Look, when you start getting into that, and you get that is such a slippery slope. Because then you, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't. I'm really trying to think. Probably fifth grade. Probably not because you do think like maybe a shock value. I don't know if somebody's being raped, but you bring it up, and what if girls? I don't think that they're going home and discussing this with their parents and everybody knows that their kids are talking about rape. I don't know. But would it be like, <laughs> I didn't say that, and I didn't do that, and I didn't say that, and then par- you understand what I mean, and you might cause alarm, and then DCFS. I don't know. It snowballs into a whole lot of stuff. I'm a fan of taking care of my own child, and I think you should take care of yours, and you should know what your child is talking about. If somebody said they got raped, that would be one thing. Then I would say something. If a child says that they got raped or they were raped or they were right. touched or they were molested, yes, absolutely, I would say something. But just because I'm your child you. has having inappropriate conversations, yeah. I'm not going to, no, no. I would, I'm with you on this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this round to you. Because I think first you have to clean up your first your, your backyard first. You have to educate mm-hmm. your offspring, you know. First of all, right. when they say rape, I mean, talk to her about it. When they say rape, what do they say? And then really let her mm-hmm. know what rape really is. She'll be like, holy cow, that's not cool. Mm-hmm. So then explain that technically you can be raped by somebody you know, too. One, I want to say it's disturbing that a 50-year-old, a fifth grader is talking about this, but we know yes. kids are far more advanced than they should be. But I'm with you about not engaging other parents at this point, because what I have seen happen in scenarios like this, the minute you approach another parent about something their child is involved in, the first thing they say is, not my child, not mine. Mm-hmm. Going to, they yes. go into the smile, and all of a sudden now you've got friction and conversations like, yes. you don't get to play with Maya because blah, blah, blah. So it turns mm-hmm. into a whole, you open up a can of worms that you have no control over. I'm with you. I'd only yes. mention it if somebody had said they were raped. Now you raped. Say, exactly. It came to my attention, it was said that so-and-so was raped. I don't know if it's true or not, but I was just concerned, and you leave it at that. But try to tell other people right. how to parent, that never goes right. Ever. Never. Never. Ever so I would not. Right. And my thing is, if they're that sexually advanced at, in fifth grade, well, where do you think somebody got that from? I don't know. I'm going to say that. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. Like you need to take Yeah. yeah. You might, you might want to make sure that maybe she's not going to people's houses. That's what you might want to focus on. All right. <laughs> round two goes to Nikki. Oh. Let's move to round three. And this is a family-focused scenario. Okay. Hardworking sister, Box. At supporting lazy brothers. I am a community college sophomore. I'm 20. I'm in the International Honor Society. I'm double majoring in biotechnology and biological sciences. My dream is to become a cardiologist. I have worked hard and excelled at my studies as well as in my friendships and sports. However, my brothers have not. My older brother, let's call him Aaron, barely graduated from community college, and my younger brother, Greg, dropped out after his first semester. I know it's not healthy for me to think this way, but I'm afraid I'm going to be the one who has to support them. 
Aaron plays video games all day while Greg does nothing. I'm afraid I'll be stuck playing mommy for my adult brothers for the rest of my days. How do I get across to them that they're not children anymore and they need to take their education seriously? Nobody's mommy in Maryland. You don't because you're nobody's mommy. That's the thing. That's your mom's job. So you don't have to get across to them that their education is important and they need to take things seriously. That's your mom's job. You're doing your job. And I would not put the pressure on And don't take care of them. And if what you want to say and you think that that's coming down the pipeline, then you set that up right now before you're doctor whoever you are. Say, okay, guys, you can play video games, but I'm telling you right now, when I turn doctor whoever, I'm not taking care of anybody. I'm getting my business together and my affairs in order. I suggest you do the same. And if that's what you're afraid of, if you start laying that foundation now, you don't have to worry about taking care of anybody and nobody will ask because it's been told, you've said it, and you've laid the foundation of how you're going to handle your life, and they have the same opportunities and advantages that you have, and so it's not your fault. So I wouldn't worry about it. Go get your doctor on, keep taking care of your affairs, and what happens to your brothers are of their own consequence. All right, here's what your Abby had to say. Where are your brothers living now? With your parents? If that's the case, and I suspect it is, that message should come from them. That's your parents. <laughs> Would allow Aaron to sit around all day playing video games rather than becoming independent means they are enablers. There is a truth to the saying, the Lord helps those who help themselves. Warn the boys unless they, they start preparing for their future, they could wind up living in the street. Because when your parents go, you have no intention of supporting them financially. That responsibility is not and should not be yours. All right, you guys agree. Okay, you guys are both being cutthroat today, but, hey, I'm with you on this. You're the younger of a group. I don't think, first of all, they're men. So what kind of parents do you have in a lot of these men to sit around and not encouraging them to be men? This is the one time I'm losing senses. Be men. Go manly into the world and be able to support and, first of all, provide for yourself. Not that you've got to be right. able to do it for somebody else, but you shouldn't become dead weight for somebody else either. So you need to be able to be self-sufficient. And I'm like, I'm with you guys on this. He's probably at home. And if they're letting this happen, if I was her, I would kind of put a little distance there. I don't know if I need to say anything, but you guys both say, hey, what are you going to do? Are you going to play video games all day? What, are you a tester? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, all right. What's going on with that? Right. That's, you know, you but whatever you do, just what? know I'm not taking care of you. And so if mm-hmm. this is what you choose to do, I'm fine with that. It's your life, but don't come looking for me because I'm not going to enable you. Enable is the correct word, and I'm not going to do it. Let me ask you a question. So you you both agree that the parents should be the one to initiate the conversation about these two young men getting up and doing something. Do you Mm -hmm. think that the person who wrote the letter should go to her parents and be like, hey, I'm kind of concerned that they dropped out of school, they're not doing anything, do you think this is okay? How is this healthy for them? Do you think she should talk with the parents? I don't know how the parents are missing this, but – no, I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, why are you having an obvious conversation with parents? Like, like, are they in some other wing of the house? Are they like, really? Are they playing video games all day? Like, how are they missing this? Unless they live in another wing of the house and they're not seeing this, I wouldn't. They they know exactly what they're doing. And then you have a daughter that sounds like she's very well rounded in all aspects of her life. So you have this one example and these other two losers. How do you not make the connection that? One of these things is doing its own thing. How do you not see that as a parent? <laughs> How do you miss I don't know, that? I don't know, but it is, it is disturbing, to say the least. All right, this is football. Yeah. You both kind of said the same thing. All right, but technically you okay. are roused up. So let's see if 
you can close off the deal. This scenario, round four, ding, 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 is about friends. So we're going to round up with some okay. friendly advice for friends. Friends are stymied on how to help wife in bad marriage. Okay. How can I help a friend who needs to stand up for herself and file for divorce? Her husband is in a high-profile job that connected, that's connected with hers. He has been having an affair with a coworker for years, and he is verbally okay. and sometimes physically abusive. She has called the police twice but didn't press charges. Friends are running out of sympathy but don't know how to help her. Is it wrong to report his behavior to his employer, even though he might get fired because of it? Needs to stand up. Mm. Yeah. Well, you you can't call anybody's up. Look, this is what I tell people all the time. It's not like it sounds like your friend is well aware of whatever is going on. And sometimes you'll put your neck out, and I'm going to tell you, you get her fired, he has a high-profile job, that's money. When money stops coming in, your friend going to punch you in the eye. Like, I didn't ask you to do all of that, so you have to mind your business because you call my husband's job on some what you think Nikki needs. I'm like, hey, 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 stay in your lane. Nobody asked you to do that. Then you're going to have a problem with me. You have to be careful. Unless your friend is like, I want to leave in the middle of the night, I'm afraid, I can't. Unless that, she's fine with her situation. And when she's ready to leave, she'll leave. She will absolutely leave. If she, pressed, if she called the police but didn't press charges, that should tell you something. So when she's ready to go, she will go and then help her then. Other than that, you being nosy, you minding your business, because she might, I might be cool with a whole bunch of stuff. And I like living this way. Some people like living in dysfunction. It's sad. It's terrible. But when you go stick your nose in, I guarantee you she's going to be mad at you. And you're like, I was just trying to help a friend. And she's like, I didn't really ask you for that. So I would mind my own business. I would absolutely mind my own business. And do not call that man's job because that's really going to start a fight. Don't do that. All right. Here is what Abby had to say. As your friend may probably be already aware, abuse does not stay at the same level. It can escalate from verbal abuse to pushing and slapping to serious physical harm and sometimes even death. That's why this woman's friends should assure her they stand with her and try to convince her to contact the National Domestic Violence Hotline and arrange a safe and effective escape plan. Trained advocates at the hotline have told me that not every caller will leave after the first or even second episode right. of violence, but at least she will know what she needs to do. If she comes to you injured, Get her to an emergency room for treatment and, and so that her wounds can be photographed. If she shows up at your work with bruises, it's time to talk to Human Resources to see if you can get her some help. But I would do advise contacting her. I would not advise contacting her husband's employer. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with you on. I'm going to go with you on this because mm-hmm. one, as my friend, we've had a we already had a conversation that you're being abused and you know what abuse looks like and you know he's hurt you. Mm-hmm. And at, and at any point of time, I'm sure his friends, from what she said, they have offered to be her support. You can come to us if you need sure. So sure. she has options. Now, granted, it is nice to talk to someone with a domestic you know, violence hotline because they're trained professionals. But, one, everything I read in this is this woman is not ready to make that move. And even in my job, no. I've had people who are sitting there with black eyes, and I'm trying to call an advocate for them. They're like, no, I don't want that. And actually, yeah, one person's like, don't you think about one that? I'm like, okay, so what exactly do you want me to do? So make sure you're not crossing boundaries. I'm like, I'm like, right. just be there for her and take her mm-hmm. lead and always let her know I got your back. Yes, you don't yeah, have to sympathize. That's it. Sometimes it's hard to understand why people even want to be bothered with that, but it's not for us to judge why people stay where they stay. It's only as a friend for us to stay in the cut to be there and wait for you to come and say, yep. and be like, hey, I got you. That's 
That's it. Yep. You start That's calling it. employers. Now now you're going to have a domestic violence problem. You start calling employers yeah. over here cutting well, out checks. You're going to have a problem. It's, <laughs> well, that's you true, have an issue. It spills, over, it spills into the job and all kinds of yeah, other stuff. Yeah, you can't do that. It gets real complicated. And if she, it's yeah. complicated. So um, before you, to me, it's not your place to take that kind of action. No. Not as a friend, concerned, but to do that, absolutely not. Not your concern. All right. That round goes to you because I think your Abby was kind of not knowing what to say on that. So I'm with you on this. I mean, if you take two rounds out of the four, only tied two. Again, you are a winner this week on our friends and family edition of What Would Nikki Say? So, hey. That was good. That was good. Sometimes your Abby wants to put information out there and she's not going for the juggler. That's what she needs to do. Okay? Stop giving phone numbers out. Just cut to the chase. (laughs) But I understand. It's part of her job to give resources. I get that. But, yeah, not in this case. you got to be real about it. All right, so, again, you are a clear-cut winner of what would Nikki say. Until next Woo! time, we'll see if can ever manage to pull it off. All right, everybody, we're going to share final segment of the show, Celebrity Talk and the Side Eye. A couple things in there. After Chris Rock, to me, nailed it during the Oscars, and managed to get Girl Scouts some dollars, upwards to $65,000, the Girl Scouts are saying they have not received their money. We'll talk Uh-oh. about that and more.
comments, 310-807-5211. The chat room's open, and you know where to find us on social media if you decide you want to get social with the show. So we're going to wrap everything up with Celebrity Talk and the Side Eye. So a story out there that's definitely beginning to trend up is Chris Rock nailed it at the Oscars and probably did a Girl Scout cookie drive like nobody else had ever seen before. In fact, it was saying as he promoted that his daughters were in a Girl Scout troop and selling cookies and needed help, so on and so forth, that drive at the Oscars is being said raised more than $65,000 in Girl Scout cookies, which, by the way, people love Girl Scout cookies to begin with. So it isn't yes. like that's a hard sell. You just show up, right. you have your little vest on, they see the box, everyone's like, yeah, I'll take ten. That's a cookie. Thin that's mints, a and I'm like, I'll take five. I'll take five of those thin mints, please. Not <laughs> like every time. Excellent marketing model, model that Girl Scouts only sell cookies at certain times in the year. They're not available year-round. That's why people stockpile. Right. They're like, oh, I know I won't be able to get these for a while, so let me, you know, buy mm-hmm. my cookies. So Chris Rock, you know, pretty much, uh, you know, promoted this when he was, you know, hosting the Oscars. And that, from that, and probably just not from celebrities but other people, it raised $65,000. That's the amount that night. Okay, that's a pretty big fundraiser. So yes. what is being reported from Great L.A. Council, where the trooper and his daughter is from, is Troop 5215, was supposed to get a percentage, but unfortunately the disbursement of the money to the girls hasn't materialized yet. Interesting, huh? Wait a minute. Okay, so so the Girl Scouts got their cookie money. They just didn't get a percentage to another chapter. Is that what's happening? Yeah. So oh, thing, they so, got their cookie money. I was like, I know those celebrities didn't eat $65,000 no, no, worth they, of cookies and didn't yeah, get those kids so, their money. Okay. Sorry. Well, it's interesting because it's kind of a little goofy. I, I'm a little in the dark on how they're, what they're saying because the Academy admitted once somebody went to them and said, hey, did you guys not? Because at first it seems like they had not paid up on, right. like, on what they had collected. That's what it first seemed like. It's like, right. Chris Rock, come on, man. You stood in front of a big check that said $65,000. Are you telling me you did right. not pay the Girl Scouts? Well, turns out, no, 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 no. He, he followed through on his end. So the Academy, who obviously had to sanction this to happen for it to be okay, said that part of what was going on is that the girls hadn't paid their dues so because of this, they had not received their portion of what they should get. Oh, this sounds, what does their dues have to do with it? I don't know the, I don't get it. I don't get it. Well, here's the thing. Um, it looks like the truth that I saw in the picture was predominantly African-American. Um, oh, no, they feel so. late. Are they bills late? Oh, come on, y'all. <laughs> I don't know. So, Let's not talk about this. Never mind. Initially, I get it now. But initially, <laughs> but initially it was being reported that um, the monies had not been received. And it sounded like the Academy hadn't paid because, like I said, this wasn't an Academy-sanctioned event. They, they gave Chris Rock the okay. Well, now it looks like Girl Scouts got their dollars, but the chapter hasn't gotten their dollars, and it all comes down to, well, and here's the guidelines. We don't distribute, distribute funds if you didn't pay your dues. Okay, well, how about these things out of what they got, they got coming and just give it to them? Because you made enough that their dues are probably all covered, and then something obviously <laughs> that's in this particular truth going on. Right. Uh, yeah. 
It's all a little weird to me, though, because it's got nine. It is a little weird, but as long as Chris Rock paid up and they got their cookie money, then I'm fine with that. I was getting ready to really be upset because I I was like, I know these celebrities didn't eat $65,000 worth of cookies and not get these little girls their money. So I guess it's um, whatever the percentage is from that, I guess the Academy is going to pay them. Yeah, but it's interesting because here's what I don't understand. Why the Academy just wouldn't give the National Girl Scout Council, like, all the money? and then let them distribute the dollars out. I don't understand why their involvement is more than what it is. So I'm kind of confused about this. I'm serious. Me too. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Like, give the $65 check to Girl Scouts and let them figure out what comes next. So I don't know. It's weird. But then again, I will say this. Because it's about non, non-for-profit laws, maybe that's right. why they can't. You are, you, this is not taxable right. dollars. So then maybe why this is why it gets more complicated because it's about it not being taxable dollars. So I kind of get, okay, Correct. you got to play by the book. Otherwise, the IRS would be like, well, where's my cut since you're over here giving right. people you didn't hear about the rules? So I guess, I guess that's why that can get a little hairy, so to speak. Hairy, okay. So we'll see how that okay. pans out. Chris, do me a favor. Just Chris Rock, pay the girls dues. How much can it be? Twenty-five. Yeah, pay the dues. Chris, come on, pay their dues. Let's let's pay their dues and get it up. Let's get it done with. You know, so then you don't. Because now you'll look ridiculous for these girls not getting their cut. I'm like, really, Chris Ross, your daughter's in this troop, you're helping out, and you didn't pay this for these girls? Now you look bad after your right. speeches. So you better get up there and pay that money. Chris Ross? Yeah, just pay the dues. Talk. I mean, how much can dues be? Talk. It can't be that much. Go ahead yeah. and just pay the girl dues. Scouts. And they actually didn't disclose in the article, but it can't be more than 25 to 50 bucks. But now if you're from a distressed family, that could be a big deal. Right, Let's correct. Chris, just go, go ahead and just pay the dues. Just don't, please right. don't do a GoFundMe page. All Here we go, telling people what to do with their money. He's like, look, I raised $65,000, <laughs> but I'm not paying their dues. Quit telling me to pay somebody. I'm done. Come on. Do it for the I'm done. My daughter's paid their dues. We straight over here. Now, I'm done. I get it, Chris. How folks, folks need assistance on this. All right, another done. story that's under scrutiny, and I kind of don't, don't feel the same way that a lot of people are giving this a side eye. So Floyd Mayweather, who was, you know, had a big issue with his ex-wife and domestic violence, then went on, you know, uh, after they separated or divorced, whatever they did, um, everybody saw his very hot girlfriend through all the fights. Um, that turned into an issue, and they separated. Well, now I guess he's rebound, and he is dating Raymarnie Ball, who is from England. She's a teen. She's 19, and they were recently vacationing in the West Indies and posted pictures on Instagram and people are really giving him a hard time. They're like, what are you doing with this 19-year-old girl? Come on, dude. She's a child. You're a grown man. She's, she's a very yeah. good girl. I mean, I, I, I get she's why. She's really friends. cute. She's really, she's, really cute. She's really cute. Here's, Look, here's, she's, really, here's she's really cute. She's real pretty, and I get she's that. Ni- here's she's 19. Thought. Yeah. Here's what, what's funny, 37, something like that? Here's, here's my thought. Probably. We've had this conversation about crossing the boundary with young children. First of all, Raymarnie is not a child to me. She's 19. No, she's, she's 19. A, she's, making a, she's making a choice. She knows who Floyd Mayweather is. She knows mm-hmm. the lifestyle that comes with dating with him. So with that being mm-hmm. said, she's made a conscious choice. She's not just dating the average Joe. She knows who she's dating. And it's made a, she mm-hmm. knows the benefits of dating him. So it's kind of hard. Mm-hmm. If she was like 15, I'd be like, Floyd, what are you doing? But right. She's of age for this to happen. So even though... People might feel like it's exploitation. She knows what she's doing. I, I have a hard time. She knows. Her mother that. knows. Her daddy knows. And they make it accept. I'm, if Floyd Mayweather worked at the Gap, her parents would have a heart attack. But because he's 37 and he's Floyd Mayweather, they're like, oh, you're 19. Go ahead. 
and people make exceptions to rules. In any other instance, people would still have a problem with this. If a 37-year-old man, I mean, I would still have a problem with it. I don't care who you are. I would still, especially him. I'm like, okay, first of all, he might take you to the mall, but he going to knock you out if you come back with too much merchandise. So you better watch out who you dating. If it was my 19-year-old daughter, I would have a problem anyway. I would still. But sometimes when – I would have a problem. He's 45 million, like, you know, weird jet. He's spending money all the way because yeah. he could afford it. Yes. Um, I know technically the word teen – is on her right. is on her age, but she's legal. Right. And trust me, based on the pictures, she clearly knows what she's yeah. doing. If you want to check her out on Instagram, yeah. her Instagram handle is R Marni M A R N I. Very pretty girl. Trust me, she's not oblivious to what she's doing. She knows mm-hmm. the advantages of hooking up with Floyd Mayweather. So this is one time she might be nineteen, but at nineteen she knows what's going on. So I have a hard time yes. trying to make him make him the villain in this because she's cooperating. And this is not being taken advantage of because she she sees the advantages of being with Floyd when it's all been done. Yes. So you yes. may not like it, but hey, she's legal and she's not being. As far as I'm concerned, she's not being taken advantage of. She's aware no. of the situation. All right, everybody. Another show is in the books. Remember, you can join us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, noon to two p.m. Central Standard Time, right here on Blog Talk. If you ever miss a show, never worry. You can go to my homepage here as well as the iTunes Store podcast section and just search Maya Kai Presents, and all the shows are there as well. as My website is the easy route. Everything is there, mayaakai.com. Nikki, if our listeners want to connect with you when we're not on air, where do they find you? Um, my Nikki Braden Facebook page. I am Nikki Braden on Twitter, the Nikki Braden on Instagram, and you can pop on over to NikkiBraden.com. I have a website as well. Enjoy your hump day, everybody, and as always, if you have the opportunity today, please do something nice. The world needs it. All right, everybody. We will see you same time, same place on Friday. Enjoy your hump day, and please be mindful and responsible tomorrow on St. Patty's Day. Yes, 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 yes. Follow Maya on Twitter at The Maya Akai Show, on Instagram at Maya Akai, and friend her on Facebook. Social media is bringing us all closer together. The Maya Akai Show. Radio never looks so good. Eh, I'm going to retweet this. 